Welcome to episode 357 of Retro Encounter, RPG Fans Weekly Podcast of Many Topics. I'm Mike Solosi, and this week's topic is a continuation of last week. We are doing a full episode on Xenosaga Episode 1, Der Vilsor Macht, and uh, to talk about the themes and the story and the conclusions and a lot about Albedo in this uh, in this episode. And we are joined by the same panel as last week. In addition to me, there is Tyler Trosper. Hey again. Zach Wilkerson. Hello. And Peter Treisenberg. Back by unpopular demand, it's me. So, Peter, Tyler, Zach, um, I have a confession to make. Uh, I was unable to finish this game in time for the podcast. I, uh, we, are, we are recording this in the uh, middle to second half of December, and I have had some kind of uh, task to take care of or work or social engagement like every single day uh, the past few weeks i've barely played any video games and so i uh, i i sort of gave up a couple days ago i i i was unable to finish xenosock episode one i feel really bad um i was on a nice little streak there of finishing every game i played for the podcast uh uh, for around two years, I think I think it was like uh, fall or December of 2020 was the last time I I, I, think it I was failed to do Eternal it. Punishment maybe, maybe. Uh, yeah, Eternal. Yeah, I think it was Eternal Punishment. Is it was that 2020 or 2021? Uh, I think it was 21. But I, I yeah, can't you're remember. right. You're right. You're right. You know what? I I think that was the last one I messed up on. You're right. But the I I, I had a pretty good run recently. Like I, I I've played 11 games for the podcast in the last six months because we had a, a couple months of multiple games in in one month. Uh, but I wasn't able to do this one and it was, it was not because I wasn't interested in the game. It was just because I, I knew I had 20 plus hours ahead of me and stuff kept piling up and I just realized early that I wouldn't be able to finish it. But, um, that was, uh, not true of one of us. Uh, Zach, you told me, <laughs> uh, um, not long ago that you did finish this one, uh, a day or two ago. And yeah. what, what were your overall impressions? So I, I ended up enjoying it a lot. Um, I know uh, and we'll talk a lot about <laughs> all the things that are um, wrong with the game design here. Uh, but I think uh, in particular, as you hit the midpoint, um, and we'll talk about this later, um, there are these flashback scenes with Shrenkov, which I think are really beautiful and really interesting. And then when that happened, I was like, all right, I'm here for it. And then as the um, cutscenes started piling up and like, you know, and we'll talk about this more later as well. Like it, I felt like I had like a better vision of what the mystery box was here. Um, like I understood sort of like what it is we need to discover. And once I figured that out, I like I was able to sort of distinguish like, OK, these are the UTIC people. These are the Federation people and kind of figure out what their real motives were, at least to some degree. Obviously, we don't know all of them yet. Um, and also, like in the second half of the game, you end up spending a lot more time in dungeons, which, you know, um, some people would argue was a bad thing because the gameplay in this game is frustrating. But um, as I started getting into the latter third of the game, I sort of understood the combat system well enough to just sort of like blow my way through everything. I got like the ultimate spell that like insta kills the final boss. And I was like, I don't I was like, I don't need that. Um, and the final boss didn't even get a turn on me. So, yeah. You beat it without Urdrakaiser? Yeah, I had it, and I was like, ah, screw it, I don't need it. Nice. Um, just uh, boosts, boosts your friend in this game. <laughs> <laughs> just boost and boost and boost. Um, but yeah, I, I enjoyed it a lot. I think that um, there are a lot of things that you can see Takashi playing with that he does way better later, but I think that the story here might end up being better by the time I get to the end than even like some of the Xenoblade stuff that I really enjoy. You were talking about those flashbacks with uh, Cherenkov, and I definitely want to talk about those. 
um, that's around where I stopped playing the game, and then and then I ended up watching those cutscenes with him multiple times. Because, um, sorry, this is skipping ahead a little bit. I would not have believed you if, like, well, mm, how do I phrase this? Um, the stuff on the Voglinda at the beginning of the game, you meet Cherenkov and who he is. I, I, it surprised me that we got a mini arc and a large amount of backstory out of him of all people, because he he seems like a a very low level early game villain that might that might be thrown away after a boss fight or something but they go pretty deep into him uh, and 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 like the stuff with Cherenkov and other characters like uh like like Margulies and and Virgil I really think like they um even though we don't see like a, a ton of backstory or presence of those characters in this game but i feel like there are pages and pages of notes about these guys that didn't make it into the game like again um xenosaga does sort of have a lot behind the curtain but i feel like that they didn't even get all they wanted to into this game there, there's a lot that they were holding back and it, it, like we mentioned this in the previous episode this was originally devised as six games ended up being three but I can sort of see how they they had enough material that they wanted six. It, it it feels like a bigger game than it actually is, and sometimes that's annoying because it feels like there's too much that they aren't explaining or aren't telling you. But other times it feels it's really intriguing because you get this the feeling that this is a a huge, richly detailed world that we're only getting a glimpse of. Uh, uh, P- Peter, I, I'm sorry to put you on the spot. I know that you like me. Huh. Um, were unable to finish the game, but did watch a lot of cutscenes. Uh, did yeah what what was your uh overall impression of this game and the world it was trying to build yes unfortunately solici is not the only one he does not get to walk do the walk of shame alone but um for for me i I, i'm with you on that i think xenosaga's world is very richly detailed i think that this game does a very good job of setting up interesting mysteries and intriguing and doing its world building i think is actually done fairly well um at least as far as establishing okay these are the basic core tenets of how this universe works um you get a lot of background on the different organizations um how their version of space travel works it's all very space opera-y and i really vibe with that and the broad strokes of the story i do find very interesting even if i do agree as well that um I think the game sometimes maybe under explains things a little bit. I'm definitely a little confused about things like the song of Nephilim and the role of the URTVs, which I'm sure that they'll get into in the later episodes. But um, as it stands, it is a, it, this does feel a lot like the pilot episode, like maybe of, of a longer series. Yeah. um, The the different proper nouns in this game and the level of techno babble, really made my head hurt I, you could probably detect a little bit of that in the first previous episode but like um how the song of nephilim is a spaceship and a psychic song like thing and how it suddenly like uh like d- like multiplies by 10 in size and said oh no um the, the song of nephilim has voltron with the proto Merkaba, and it's like what what and 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 uh and there's the... I, lo- I love how that's actually basically what they said and when that happens it's like has anyone said the words proto Merkaba in this game at all until this moment this game also likes to um do again do the evangelion thing where just every so often there'll be 
they'll start describing something and they'll throw in a reference to like some oh yeah oh no it's the it's the headquarters of the organization uh labyrinthos and i'm just like the, the zone from final fantasy 14 what <laughs> um uh or or the time in uh cosmosis and encephalon where they're like you have to go to milsha and that's why and she has like that's why you, you'll find out when you go to milsha and i was yeah, like the little girl yeah yeah, uh, yeah she's uh, like yeah you'll find out later i'm like i want to find out now why are you withholding we, we, from me we haven't need to go to milsha yet, you guys now sorry this is episode three there is a point i not not really spoilers but there's a point where she tells off nephilim and it's like stop being so cryptic it's it's hilarious. It's it just like it's pretty like sad. Yeah, it's probably deserved if, she, if, it she's, is... if she's this if she's this cryptic for two and a half games. Oh yes. I'm, oh yes. I'm glad that they're at least self aware enough to admit that though. Yes, um, it was great. They they are not nearly self aware enough in this game though. I mean, it, it, it's like again, sort of how light is both a particle and a wave. I really think the song of Nephilim is both a space station and like an evil psychic uh, psychic brown note. Um, and, and, and I don't know if Udo is a person or an organization or like an evil, an, an evil force pervading the entire, uh, universe. Um, I, I, I know that, uh, Kukai, the Federation, Utik and, uh, Vector are all different organizations, but I was definitely mixing up who is, who is part of what and who is, and who is a mole of what in what between all yeah. four of those <laughs> i mean like, i think that kukai was created or i don't know the urtvs at least were created to take down udu yes and then when they try to do that this the, they play the song right I, I please correct me if i'm wrong on this and then most of the urtvs go absolutely insane like albedo for example and that's why junior takes his link out because they're going insane i think well, okay. Uh, Kukai is a separate entity that used to be a department within the Federation, but they uh, but they split yeah. off and became a separate entity, and their mm -hmm. um and their side businesses made enough money to to fund their main goal of collecting as many uh uh Zofar emulators as they could. They, um, it's it's run by two guys who are both named Gagnum, but one of the, one of whom does not age, so he names himself Junior. They are both URTVs, which were which are super soldiers that were created to defeat Udo, or sorry, Udu. Again, not a very intimidating name for something that is pretty scary. Uh, but when but when the song of Nephilim, which again is both a space station and a song, uh, starts playing, um, it it drives uh different types of life forms insane. Or and and possibly can control or manipulate them, and and uh, and out of fear, uh, Junior, who again is one of these super so soldier URTVs, like unplugs himself, and so which which detaches him from his brothers, one of whom was Albedo, and Albedo becomes uh, enveloped somehow by the evil force Udu, which which makes Albedo an ascended being of some kind under the influence of Udo, who is and he seizes control of the Song of Nephilim. Oh my god! I, I I know I'm I know that wasn't one hundred percent correct, but I, but I was in the right ballpark. And if yeah. that sounds confusing, then it's it's because it's confusing. There's just so many different, so many different puzzle pieces moving around the board that I was definitely losing track of them. Um, and 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 URTVs, realians, and, and cyborgs like Ziggy are all, all yeah they're mm -hmm. all different artificial life forms and and even the, the mutated human like what um like, like what uh what Cherenkov is they were all different kinds of entities 
that were given similar purpose because they they were uh, they were created to you know for either war or to complete tasks that were difficult or risky for humans but they all have like different levels of rights and are treated by society in different ways and even in the trial flashback that you see that Cherenkov's in they've referenced different laws and statutes that affect the the people differently like when we mentioned in the previous episode that realians do have uh like a, a level of humanity that allows them to, to participate in human society that ziggy doesn't and Cherenkov maybe does but because he's a mutant he's stigmatized badly and was and it appears like he was um like like seduced into a sham marriage with his lawyer in my, in my, did i misinterpret that no, you're you're spot on because she had no interest in him. She basically wanted to get permission to clone herself, and that's why she kind of married Cherenkov and okay, put up with him. We're gonna we're gonna roll this way back because uh, where we left off was uh, was basically at the introduction of the character of Junior. So we ha- we've met the six main playable characters, but they haven't quite met each other yet. Um, uh, Siggy and Momo are on are on the run from Utic, which is the terrorist organization. Uh, uh, um, the, while on the Elsa, which is the the scavenger ship that picked up um, Shion, Cosmos, and Alan. Uh, Chaos is a crew member on the Elsa. I can't believe I remembered Alan because he is the most for, like forgettable schmuck in in, <laughs> in just about any. Oh, piece kind of his role, right? <laughs> apparently, <laughs> apparently, he does something awesome in episode two, and I don't believe it. Um, I, that's more episode three than episode I, two. Okay, I, I, so. I've, I felt so annoyed by Alan. Like, I know he's supposed to be like an unremarkable human commenting as a voice of sanity on the events around him. Mm-hmm. But he was such a oh my god, he he was such a sad sack that I I, I wanted I wanted to tell him to shut the hell up. <laughs> it's uh like I, I I mean I only played half of the game, and I was already three hundred percent done. 300% done with Alan. But <laughs> but but anyway, uh, like we're introduced to Junior who again is an executive in the Kuk in the uh, Kukai Foundation, which is again used to be a government ent- entity, now it's a science and tech entity that uh that makes its money from uh, from by by running like a, a a tourism operation where they can like uh simulate beaches and 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 weather of any kind. Basically they run a giant resort which is again is kind of crazy and uh and they he is at one point they revealed to Xi'an like oh yeah we have um 12 Zohar emulators here and they're all named after Jesus's 12 apostles which <laughs> I I I I don't know why that why that is although I'm sure there's a reason for it we're we're, we're all over the place but and but yeah junior was um was on a ship uh, called the Dorandal, but I think they they miss they they uh, they don't know that it's named after the song of Roland, so they uh, <laughs> so they pronounce it weird. They call it the Durandal, I think. I don't know. That just makes me think of the basketball player Julius Randall, the the Ju- Julius Durandal. But uh, he's he's on a uh, a ship full of women, <laughs> and that uh, and and he's a, a a superhero with a giant robot and like. And, and and like spaghetti western magnum pistols <laughs> junior is so extra because you're, you're right junior's awesome <laughs> <laughs> and he and he gets his aesthetic from watching uh like action movies from the and and reading western novels from the distant past it's like it's like <laughs> like sure you do guy <laughs> uh but uh eventually all of these people cross paths junior is uh again he's um an executive at the kukai foundation and the crew of the elsa works for the kukai foundation as 
as sort of a, a scavenger and smuggler of sorts. So th- these groups all managed to meet together at the uh, at the Durant at the Durandal, and then eventually at the Kukai's Foundation Resort area. Um, wh- but then there's a sting operation that I'm I, I'm not sure I totally understand. So c- correct me if I'm wrong here. Um, uh, the uh, the Kukai Foundation Junior's ship before they meet up with Zion, they had a clash with Utik. And that, but then, um, but then after uh, the Durandal returns to Kukai, uh, Utik doctors footage of their battle uh, to make it appear that Kukai attacked Federation ships when really it was Utik ships that did that. So that prompts a Federation seizure and investigation of a bunch of Kukai stuff in, in as a means to maybe seize control of Cosmos and Momo because. Cosmos is a government super project and Momo has sensitive data buried in her memory banks. Yeah, it's primarily to get Momo since she has the data left behind by her father, Yoki Mizrahi. Right. So who they but, view but, is he's a seditionist, essentially. Yeah, yeah. Joaquin Mizrahi, um, he seems to be in between a seditionist and a terrorist and a cult leader because he de- he was the founder of UTIC. He used to be a top scientist within the Federation, but um, it, when we see him in the in uh, when they jump into uh, Cosmos's memory and they sort of navigate a, a memory world that is mostly the planet Milsha from 14 years ago. Oh God, this is so bonkers. Um, <laughs> <laughs> like like uh, that you we see uh, Mizrahi in action, and it and it's it sounds like the words of a uh, of a of a delusional cult leader. Um, but it, it seems like he's probably influenced by Udu or, or or maybe he just, you know, saw the center of the universe and went mad or, or uh, <laughs> it, it, it. But uh, but we do know that he uh, he knows more about um, artificial intelligence and then and the nature of some of the of Zohar better than just about anybody. And he hid a lot of his findings inside Momo's memory bank. So everybody from Utik to the Federation to probably vector wants to get inside Momo's memories. And, and, and a lot of the game is sort of protecting Momo from uh, these outsiders, but uh, yeah, like I, I, I know I'm just rambling because I'm trying to make sense of this, but Zach or Peter, like were, were you as half following half confused as I am, or, am I, or am I just out of my depth here? Cause both could be true. I think, I think, Again, so this is just speaking as someone. I I I don't like this game. I don't, and, and from a gameplay <gasps> perspective, I think it is. I think I think it is slow. I think it is archaic. I think <laughs> it is very poorly explained about how to actually develop your characters and how to make the combat like work. Um, and I just and I get really really tired of hearing the same battle theme every single battle and every and it just ah. But um, I do think the story actually is fairly. I don't want to say well told because we it does overindulge in flashbacks and maybe play its cards a little too close to the chest. That being said, I do think the general basic interactions between the different factions, I think it's fairly well explained. You do definitely get, okay, the Federation is like the main Earth government. The Kukai Foundation is kind of a splinter faction that does its own thing and the government doesn't like them right now. They have an uneasy truce. The Utic organization is like the terrorist cult group that is like up to no good. Um, and and then all the other stuff that they're talking about, okay, they're referring to some kind of mysterious force called Udu. 
they're talking about trying to find out whatever this Joachim Mizrahi guy was working on. What is actually inside Momo's brain that everyone is so obsessed with? Um, what is the deal with Albedo and the URTVs? All that stuff. I it feel like, okay, this feels like we are setting up mysteries for future games. We are trying to plant seeds that will develop into future installments and hopefully keep enough of our audience around that they will want to see the conclusion to this story. Um, yeah. Presumably because they either like Xenogears or, and they are want to see what, because, because this was not, I don't, again, we, we didn't really touch on this too much, but Xenogears ending on the um, end of episode five note sort of sent everyone into a tizzy back in the day. And this is supposed to be, the rest of that story except mm. not really because they don't have the rights to it anymore am i am i that far off the mark tyler i mean sort of but the the timelines don't really match up too well but they it borrows a lot of the perfect works stories uh yeah. from xenogears but yeah like like we took ideas that we were developing for xenogears and sort of are trying to expand on them yeah i you know i, I think um to answer your question Solosi, i I, as I think I've shown already this episode, like I, I'm not sure that I had, even by the end necessarily, a great grasp on all these interrelations. I get tired of that sort of thing. But I guess um, for me, like as a person who's played enough, I guess, Takahashi games, like I understand that first of all, like I, I'm guaranteed, I guarantee like most of this infighting is irrelevant, right? Like there's something like sort of over it. Like the dude who's in charge of Vector clearly is probably one of the significant big bads or someone who has not big bad necessarily but someone who has a lot more knowledge and there are all these people who have a lot more knowledge and sometimes when they don't share that knowledge it gets frustrating i guess for me but i, I guess the thing that compelled me about the story and i just kind of accepted like i allowed it to kind of wash over me i'm like oh techno babble whatever um was uh actually the flashback stuff was what really worked for me like in that idea and i think i feel like there's this idea of um the intersection of memory and identity um, and also just like who gets to control your identity um, in a lot of really interesting ways, like in terms mm -hmm. of Momo, a little bit with Xion, even like with Cosmos and like, mm -hmm. who is she really? Does she have empathy or not? Um, and, and that idea of like who gets to decide who you are, um, I think is really interesting. And so I guess I was just sort of engaging with it on like an emotional and thematic level. Mm -hmm. And I just sort of allowed the, the rest of it to sort of wash over me because I'm like, I know I'll understand this more later. Um, was sort of my approach to it. I, I think that Zach and Peter, both of you are being very fair here. And I'm, I, I was mostly concerned that I was being unfair because I, I was I find a lot of the drama of this game, things like uh, like like some of the some of the big action cutscenes and some of the important flashbacks and the internal struggles of specific characters. I think a lot of that is really, really good. I just think that they are juggling so many balls at once here. With the different, with again, I'm, I'm not exaggerating. Five or six different types of of synthetic human, and uh, and four or five major organizations politicking between each other. They're just doing so much at once that I found it a little bit confusing to follow who was who. And when there was the sting operation on Kukai, and the woman in charge of the sting ended up being a Kukai mole, I just sort of threw my hands up in the air. It's like it's like, oh my Jesus, is this is this is like infernal affairs of the or, or or the departed or something. It, it's like it's like it's yeah. like everyone is is secretly someone else. Um, betrayals in, in, within betrayals. 
Yeah, yeah, but it, and so sometimes that's fun, but I think that I I just felt like they were trying to do a lot and not totally pulling it off. And then the reason I sort of fell off and, and knew I wasn't going to finish was because, uh, like in between the good parts of Xenosaga, sometimes the combat I felt was really tedious. It's like there's there's not a lot of dungeons in this game, but the one that I the last one I was in was sort of over long. And I, uh, and, oh, and that, I, that, that's a, a theme for the rest of the game. <laughs> yeah. So, so like, I, I don't, I don't know. Like, like, I think that this game has so many cool ideas, but it is a victim of, of sort of underexplained action and, and poorly paced, uh, dungeons. But uh, we're, I want to, I want to hopefully finally talk about this guy. Like, the part of the game where I was most invested was a little bit past where we stopped last time and we learn about Cherenkov. I, we mentioned him before. I was sort of surprised that he was given as much depth of character as he was for being basically a mid-game uh, uh, and antagonist. But the fact that he was an art of a, a human that, was, that had an edited genome or spe- was specifically mutated to be a super soldier, but then when the war was over, he was... Uh, like, like the, super, the super soldiers of his type were called mutants and stigmatized but, but but then the the lawyer who was a woman that defended him in court and and allowed him and uh, and sort of and gave him some more like more human rights and human citizenship ended up betraying him because she wanted a, a license to be able to have children but didn't want to but didn't want to have she didn't want to pass on Cherenkov's mutant DNA the way as as she put it like like that was such a weird specific drama that could only happen in a setting like this and 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 then Cherenkov goes a little bit postal and kills her uh but then is adopted into Utik by Margulies and Utik uh a role within Utik gives him uh purpose in that that he was searching for that he thought he could find in marriage or 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 outside of war but but ultimately he has uh, he goes there instead like the, the struggle of Cherenkov felt like exactly the kind of story i wanted out of this game but instead they'd sort of give you seven or more plot threads that aren't all resolved in this game that just left me this game left me wanting like really this game left me very interested but also wanting more in a way that i found frustrating more than exciting sometimes so like i i don't know i think i I really could have loved this game if either the action was snappier or they or they explained some of the uh some of the background a little better but because they didn't do either of those things i was left sort of listless and confused sometimes so so i i don't i don't think i hate this game um i just i'm just a little bewildered and and wished it was a, a little bit more modern in its storytelling ideas mm-hmm. and and tyler i'm sorry I, this, I i really do not mean to make this as insult oh. to you cuz oh, i know no. this is I know this is yeah. this is among your favorite games of all time, but uh, th- th- this game's got problems. <laughs> no, yeah, I I completely agree. It does have its problems. Uh, I still I don't know. I basically what Zach said earlier, just the um, I I was just really loved like the different themes of identity and the characters, and I really love the mystery box, even if it's chock full of too many mysteries, but. I, I, yeah. 
J.J. Yeah, I mean, Abrams would probably really love Xenosaga. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, just put, I'm just putting that on, on out there. Yeah. Uh, yeah, Damon Lindelof is definitely a fan. Um, I, oh, you know, yeah. it, the Trenkov thing gets, I think that it is actually, it's probably my favorite sequence in the entire game. Like, I really like some oh, of the stuff. Oh, it's so good. Um, on it, it's really good. I, Agreed. I, 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 he, it, it, felt, it felt like that should have, that entire arc could have been its own game. Yeah. Like the Encephalon, like all the stuff on Encephalon I thought was really interesting. All the cutscenes you got there. And I like a lot of the stuff towards the end. Like I was genuinely like moved when Cosmos was like maybe sacrificing herself. But I, I think that the thing with Trekov gets to like some of the thematic concerns of this game, maybe more explicitly than anything that I, because I, like, I've always heard like, oh, it's like Nietzsche. Like it's about like the human drive to the will to power. And you certainly see that with like some of these political schemes. Um, like, like I'm watching Star Wars episode one occasionally with yeah, someone. Didn't they even, didn't scenes. they even call him an Ubermensch at one point? Right. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, <laughs> yeah so, so, so I was like extremely Nietzsche, just right. n- n- even beyond the, the subtitle of the game. Very on the nose. Yeah. Yeah. And I, and I think that Cherenkov is like the, the most perfect sort of encapsulation of that idea. Like his will to like be who he chooses to be. Like he eventually, obviously the stuff he's doing with Margulies is like, you know, probably evil i don't really know maybe um but it it gets to that idea of him choosing who he gets to be him getting to choose his own path in a way that is truthful to him and you know margalise is, is honest with him and like he he goes with that and that idea that he can latch on to something like that and it, it makes him like the most sympathetic character in the game which if you had told me that in the first two hours i wouldn't have believed you right so i think that right I, it, it's it's a, so, such compelling character work and I really look forward to seeing what they can do when we know more about it. Because I feel like Trenkov is the one character who we got their full arc. Now let's see what these other full arcs are like as well. Because they can do this that well. Oh man, what can you do with Xion? Yeah, what can you do I, with Junior? What can you do with Chaos, who I had know nothing about still? Um, so I'm, I'm excited to see what they do with other characters because of that. I was say, I do absolutely agree. The character work in this game is phenomenal. Like I think it's not the Cherenkov stuff is excellent. I really enjoyed the depths of Ziggy's character. Um, for what little we got to see of his backstory. Um, I, I, really, I wanted more it, Ziggy. I was I was gonna say that later, but uh, go ahead. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know. I really wanted more Ziggy too. But like even that little discussion they were having, um, about him before he makes his entrance, the the, the Federation people when they're talking about like the human rights and about like, Oh, here is this this man who wants to become more like a machine when everyone, all these other machines are wanting to be treated as men these days. It's like, that is a really fascinating philosophical debate to bring to the forefront. Um, and, um, characters like junior, um, and I know junior, I'm I know for a fact that junior is going to get more stuff in the next game. Um, even the, the the kind of the I feel like it, really all these side characters are where a lot of these themes and interesting stuff are being explored. I I don't really see it with Shion, unfortunately. I'm not a big fan of her, at least not in this game. Um, I think she spends a lot of time being protagonist cooning her way around the universe, and she get, I know she has like this big reason you suck speech during Albedo's like. Uh, their their first confrontation with albedo and it's like it's almost like oh yeah you're here too well the, the thing is it, um we talked about this in the previous episode there are so many different kinds of human in this game and they're all either coming to terms with their humanity or experiencing humanity in a different way like uh like uh, cherenkov is a mutant 
who who desperately wants a place in society that keeps rejecting him and he feels betrayed until you get gives him purpose and uh ziggy is trying to reject his own humanity cosmos is following her protocol and maybe discovering her own humanity or at or or empathy or maybe not like at the the end of the game i'm not sure if cosmos was really truly empathizing and and wanting to and wanting to save her team or if she was just still following her protocol and just knew that she would be able to survive those explosions i'm 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 I'm, i could go either way on that and uh and 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 momo is a realian so is a synthetic human that does have some human rights but 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 it's sort of like desperate for sisterhood with the other um with the other 100 series realians and desperate for a father-daughter relationship with her memory of joaquin mizrahi that but that but the reality of mizrahi isn't the same as her memory of him it, like all of these arcs are really interesting but maybe it's the dragon quest fan in me in, in dragon quest games are extremely consistent in wrap in wrapping up their narrative arcs with with tidy bows <laughs> but uh they, they'll they like almost they will deliberately close every loop they open but xenosaga has so much intrigue and closes so so very few of those loops and does so with some frustrations to his game design that i uh, that i found myself too frustrated sometimes again like if this game if this trilogy wraps up most of what of what it started by the end of the third game that's probably amazing but i'm not sure i want to play three games to to get there it's uh and and also, I mean, I, I mentioned that uh, in the previous episode that maybe the arc I was most interested in was Ziggy's because I, I hadn't gotten to all the Cherenkov stuff uh, when we recorded the previous episode. I, I I really want more Ziggy. Like he he is such an interesting contrast to the other kinds of characters. I I, I I'm a little bit disappointed we didn't get more Ziggy flashbacks in the midst of all of these Shion and Junior and Cherenkov flashbacks uh, that were um in. Uh, in the f- sort of first two big segments of the game it's this is a good cast i i just uh, i i just i i felt a little bit of um like i was staring off the edge of a cliff and also what the hell is chaos's deal <laughs> chaos he, is just there to be cryptic and deliver exposition and also speak he he's maybe the the character with among the main cast with the second most empathy because he he is a gentle soul in gen in general uh but i mean i mean Xion is a wellspring of infinite empathy and that's maybe her most defining character trait either that or her relationship with cosmos which is somewhere in between sister daughter and like long lost memento of her of her uh of her ex-fiance <sighs> I I don't know what Chaos's deal is. They, like they, he's extremely casual about his ability to destroy Gnosis. But other than that, I don't. Know, I'm not sure we know a single damn thing about him. You'll, he, he's probably he's, he's probably Jesus or something. Wait until the last five minutes of episode three. I'm kidding, kinda. <laughs> but like, I mean, I I definitely plan on playing episode three. I um, mean, probably watching the cutscenes for two, because uh, I do want to see how this all wraps up. And I've heard that game is really good. Um. But yeah, it's the getting there is definitely a little bit frustrating. Uh, can, can I can I can, I wanted to compare this actually slightly to um another game series that was coming around the same time. Um, because I think what's weird to me about Xenosaga is that they change gameplay styles with every game. 
like, and that's not necessarily a bad thing if they're responding to criticism and trying to iterate, but when I think of an episodic RPG series with an ongoing complicated story that was also a multimedia thing, I think about something like Dot Hack, where Dot Hack was basically one game that they split into four and released over the course of like several months. Like, and it was the same game, your stats and levels carried over. And it also had all this other ancillary stuff that you had to like check out. It was a very vague, very cryptic story that was full of a lot of proper nouns and a lot of intrigue. And you had to kind of work outside the box in order to get all of it. But I don't know. I feel like I, if I vibed with Xenosaga's gameplay more and they just released like more episodes and they were actually episodes like, oh, this is an extension of the game you were just playing. I feel like I would probably be more into it. Instead, I feel like episode one is like a beta test. Episode two is a mistake. And then episode three, they finally got it right, but it's too late. Yeah, Xenosaga was a very ambitious project that could be definitely compared to Dot .hack because it had m multiple multimedia projects, the anime, which wasn't that good, and there was several drama CDs. Um, there was the, as I mentioned last episode, the Z Ziggy uh, cell phone game. So if you wanted to know more about Ziggy, you had to play that cell phone game that never made it out. Jesus and, Christ. With, um, you, you, but with, I say Jesus Christ with the knowledge that there's a real possibility that Ziggy is the actual real Jesus Christ. <laughs> I, I did link the Xenosaga wiki page in the chat. Well. <laughs> I mean, I mean, I mean r ranking the six main characters and who is the most likely to be Jesus Christ, I'm putting Chaos number one Probably Cosmos number two and Ziggy number three. That's right. And uh, and and yeah. Alan dead last. <laughs> but Alan is the secret MVP of the whole series. Oh no! <laughs> when we see see the real the real Zarathustra was the Alan we met along the way. <laughs> <laughs> he he gets his oh, death. No, is, is 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 Zohar like a weird mistranslation of Zoroaster? I think so. Actually, because because Zoroaster is the Greek name of Zarathustra. And that is a term that, that does, because the Zohar was a thing in Xenogears, right? It's been so long. Yes, it yeah. basically has a very, um, very similar connection to Xenogears. And, and I mean, I mean uh, Zoroastrianism was a Central Asian religion that definitely influenced uh, Judaism and Christianity with some of its concepts, uh, even though it, it didn't necessarily lead to um, Judeo-Christian religion. It, it, it influenced it, um, and and Zoroaster was its uh, originator. It, it, maybe calling Zoroaster a prophet is misleading, but like oh. I wouldn't be surprised if there's Zoroasterian um, references in this game. Well, yeah, and well, and the Zohar. Um, I I I wasn't certain myself, but it is uh, said to be a foundational work in the literature of Jewish mysticism. So the, oh, oh, so oh, so it's like a, a, a is it a text similar to Kabbalah or something? Yes. Okay, or, but yeah, that Good. stuff pops up a lot. Yeah, um, Kabbalah is 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 I I I'm pretty sure it's pre Torah um a a, a Jewish mystic text, but I and that's where a lot of words that we've probably heard before, like Axeriuth and Sephiroth, come from. <laughs> uh, but the uh, or, I I don't know enough about uh about judeo christian um texts to to talk about them with any authority oh, oh but, me neither. yeah i mean according to according to wikipedia the zohar is a foundational work in the literature of jewish mystical thought known as kabbalah oh okay um, so okay, i guess okay. the so, two, so, so, the two so, are 
All right, so Zohar is a text within Kabbalah. All right, that, that, the, that makes sense. Discussions of the nature of God, the origin and structure of the universe, etc., etc., and the relationship of ego to darkness and true self to the light of God. So it definitely is playing into some of those identity themes as well that we discussed. Oh, yes, it is. But, um, you know, let, let's talk about the story a little bit more, because after the arc with the, uh, with the Gnosis attack and everything that, uh, and, and uh, when you you know, uh, spend some time on the Gnosis Cathedral ship where all the Cherenkov stuff takes place. Uh, there's the sting operation from the Federation that was set up by Utik as a ploy to try and get a hold of Momo, which you mentioned earlier. But the, the sort of next dungeon sequence is your group is divided in half as they jump into uh, uh, Cosmos's consciousness with a uh, with a with um, Cheyenne performing something called the dive, so they can get. Uh, information from cosmos uh, like without ha and and obtain it for themselves before they have to hand it over to the federation government and that is a is a multi-layer ser series of flashbacks uh where i confusingly went over some of them before with the the stuff with uh with with junior's memory as a uh, as a sort of a uh, as a urtv soldier in the battle against uh, against udu again I, I wanted to say udo every time i saw udu but the <laughs> But uh, Ooh, again, I, I don't always agree with pronunciation in this game. <laughs> uh, but uh, this is sort of a multi-layered series of flashbacks for multiple characters. It, it, I think basically everyone, maybe everyone besides Chaos gets a flashback in the, uh, in, in the, in the, in, 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 was it called the Encephalodon? Encephalon. Encephalon, right. The, the, the Encephalon uh, sequence. What as as Zach, um, you've played Xenosaga one, but haven't played the future games. Like, like, uh, of these flashbacks that are somewhat unresolved, what's one that stands out to you? Uh, definitely stuff with Xion, um, and like, um, and trying to kind of parse out because like they're, they say like it's Co Cosmos's memories, but they're your memories, and like you have to remember, and like there's this idea consistently that like you need to like remember what's happening there and again i think it's that idea of like memory and identity um and so i was really intrigued by the stuff with nephilim um although obviously this is where she like literally says and you'll find out later <laughs> um but i thought that it, it it had like a very particular feel um and i like this idea of like memories sort of as filtered through cosmos as filtered through um Xion, as filtered through <laughs> um nephilim and like sort of what that says about Xion, um i thought was really interesting i i think that junior is a really interesting character too just because like we know he's old but he still acts like a kid and i think that sort of getting a feel for maybe why that is is interesting in here too um i actually really i i, I really like this dungeon because of the like the number of cutscenes you get throughout the dungeon despite the fact that it is also very long um and it's also i think when i started to get a feel for like how to abuse the combat like i was like oh i have all enemy techs let me pour all my points into that and now battles are a breeze um and so i think I, this is where like i was like all right i i was getting into a rhythm with the game a little bit so i enjoyed it you know what i'm a little bit surprised that we've gone all this uh way and we've mentioned him a few times but really didn't do a deep dive into albedo yet because if, God, if, if there's a single this, man if oh, there's man. a single NP npc that jumps out of the screen in this entire trilogy, uh, it, it's probably even though I don't have any knowledge of uh, of the second or third game, 
it's albedo you, you see him a couple times in uh, early on you you definitely know that oh this is a named guy that's important he definitely works for utic but i don't know that much about him uh he uh sort of using an image of of joaquin mizrahi uh he distracts momo during the evacuation of kukai foundation and kidnaps her and in by far the most unsettling part of this entire game <laughs> he uh he he taunts and mocks Mobo Momo like sort of uh, revels in his own in his own power and feelings through his body. Rips off his hands only for them to regenerate. Rips off his own head only to keep talking with, to Momo. With multiple Shakespeare references yes. in the middle of it. Oh in the, man, in the, it's in wild. The, I mean, in the Japanese version, he used a knife to cut off his arm and head. But I I feel like this is still. I, th I think it's actually like less disturbing. <laughs> the American censor, the American censor, the uh, the Western censorship, weirdly enough, made that scene worse <laughs> because now he's tearing off his own head. Yes, with it's complete with crunching and tearing and splattering. Sounds. I love it. And it's yes. Like, oh my god! And and all the while, this dude is just monologuing away, cackling like a madman. Yeah, Albedo is a great villain. He's absolutely owns every scene he's in and and he's surrounded by corpses of 100 series uh realians so basically uh little girls that look like momo but have different uh coloration in their hair and and clothes and, and, and again these are uh these realians are momo thinks of them as sisters but they also but they think of her as the one of them that was stolen by their father that they were desperate for attention for like this is there's a there are there are uh a non-trivial amount of mommy and daddy daddy issues in this game um uh like like it, it is so unsettling especially since like i i don't do great with horror and i know and one thing that particularly particularly bothers me in horror is when there is when there are little kids with dark powers freaking you out like i'm not i uh i, I am not a a bad seed guy or a you know the cornfield episode of the twilight zone guy <laughs> no thanks but like like for these like for these child android humans to be just l l the corpses of them to be littered around albedo while he is mugging for the camera was so wild albedo is an over-the-top agent of chaos uh villain that is so compelling like uh, I, again he is a, a little cartoonishly evil and over the top but in a way that is extremely fun mm-hmm He's a very different kind of villain than Cherenkov. Like Cherenkov is is suffering and is full of regret, and uh, and and going into his past makes makes you like uh, sympathize and care for him. While Albedo is just a maniac. But you know what, Albedo, you do you. Just like unfiltered nihilism. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, he's 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 fascinating. Because um, if you really think about what he's saying, like he's basically he's like spouting off every like nihilistic piece of nonsense you've ever heard in your whole life. Um, as like, uh, again, like, like sort of the dark side of Nietzsche. Right. So like he's hilariously over the top. Um, but also like having just come off of Xenoblade three, I was like, this is the cartoon villain you were going for with all of the consoles. <laughs> like this is way more engaging than what you did there. Yeah. Uh, when all those psychopaths were just boring. Um, whereas here, um, he has, um, I guess a perspective to some degree, although that perspective doesn't really make any sense, which I'm sure is part of the point. Right. But like it, it he's fascinating. Yeah. Like he's bug nuts crazy, presumably because of exposure to Udo. Um, 
but at, at the same time, he also definitely has, you know, say what you will, but he has an ethos. <laughs> and it, it, he's, he sort of simultaneously loves Junior and wants to kill Junior because basically when they were a unit of URTV soldiers battling the forces of Udo and, and Gnosis, um, Junior detached himself from their neural link which saved Junior, but also allowed the influence of Udo within within Albedo. I, at least I think this is what's happening. I, I could be I could be off base with at least parts you, of this. You're, you're, that's pretty much it. Yeah. But so so Albedo has this complicated relationship with Junior, where he wants him to suffer for his betrayal, but also he's reveling in his status as an ascended being, being a URTV full of Udo juice or however it works. Well, not to, I guess jump ahead to the future but the second game really goes into uh, uh albedo's reasonings for what why he does what he does and the whole urtv storyline is really explored in episode two which is probably the best part about that game and you know what we're, we're talking about all these different kinds of people i still don't know what the hell chaos is <laughs> this is <laughs> All I know is that I have to kill him. That's all I'm aware of. No. Oh. <laughs> oh, Don't no. kill this chaos. <laughs> Not this one. Yeah, I mean, he. Yeah, I, I will admit that, like, the level of, like... Because, like, a couple of times people were like, oh, what are you going to do about this? Um, And he just... He seems to, like, sort of be standing over everything as this, like, semi-god who's, like, entrenched in life somehow, I'm guessing, is what he is. I don't know. Um, I know that Mary Magdalene comes up at some point in this game. So, you know, my point is, like, I, I know it's going some wild places, but um, because I know that, I'm like, oh, I'm sure he's just like, as you said earlier, he's probably Jesus. So there you go. <laughs> I don't know. And, and, and also there is like when they uh, when they're in the encephalon, they, we meet a, uh, a realian named Fabronia that was uh, that was um, involved in Shion's past and uh, and her two sister realians that are playing ring around the rosy around around a dead tree trapped in an illusion that they're in a sunny meadow and and nephilim won't explain who they are what they're or what their deal is there was a, a the prototype cosmos went berserk in the uh event from two years ago that they've mentioned multiple times in this game uh and and uh and that pr proto cosmos is maybe what killed uh Shion's, uh fiance kevin oh, but, yeah. and it's and it's unclear if if that cosmos was destroyed and or if that one was remade into the current cosmos or if that old cosmos is still she, around she was destroyed she was shot oh, she in was the destroyed head. Oh, okay yeah but then like she has powers that apparently only kevin could infuse her with like x buster mm. um so yeah that's a, another oh, mystery so this is a, so this game is actually mega man x and cosmos is a reploid a newt a newt Reploids are the eighth kind of artificial human that we're introducing here. For the record, I used X Buster <laughs> in almost every single fight. Oh my god, it's one long so... animation. <laughs> you can it's skip... cool. Did you skip ever skip it? You can skip animations in this game in fights. Um, uh, that just that. Well, only the CGI uh, animations. So like the all enemy tech things that yeah. sometimes they have. Oh, I didn't even know that. I, I, really I think wish I, I think I have. <laughs> I think I figured it out now. Sigma from Mega Man X is Udu, and uh, and uh, and the Sigma virus that's infecting Reploids and turning them into Ma Mavericks doesn't work on X because X was in quarantine for one hundred years, which makes X the URTV of the Mega Man series. I'm gonna, awesome. I'm now I perfectly yes. understand all of this. <laughs> <laughs> you 
just need to reduce it. If you can reduce things into terms relating to Mega Man or food, then I understand it much, much better. But okay, all right, all right. back back to uh, back to Xenosaga. There is so much I don't understand um, that I was. I, I think I might have like literally smacked my head, my arm against my forehead when the the masked man that like like separates you from Albedo uh, like takes off his mask and then, and is Virgil from the first few hours of the game. <laughs> like, what's he doing back? Uh, wh- why him? Um, is it because he is it because he has so much hatred for Cosmos and Shion? Is that is that what what got him on the side of Utic? I I don't I don't know what they what, like what that's about. Although I'm sure he shows up in 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 the in later Xenosaga games. I, again, I still don't understand what Proto Merkaba is. Well, I understand that it was that it was it was a super weapon invented by Joaquin Mizrahi, but it, it just came out of like. Not, it didn't just come out of left field. It came out of the left field of the next stadium over. So I'm, I'm actually a little confused about uh, Virgil myself. Not because, I mean, okay, yeah, sure, whatever. Okay, how did you survive this? Whatever, I'm sure they'll get into it. Um, but I'm pretty sure, because there's a red dude in a Plague Doctor costume who works for Vector. So does he also work for Vector secretly, or is he working for Utic? Like, I think I'm, Virgil's I'm just... definitely part of Utic. Because he's he's a colleague of Albedo, and Albedo re- refers to him as the new guy. And well, and there is that point where Virgil was talking to someone in his head, and it was the voice of the red masked person. So it's the, oh, okay, yeah, so, so and the red masked person voices works for Vector. So and I already it, know it's, who it's, the red masked person is. I'm not going to say it. I'm, okay, I'm well, I have no but... idea who it is. But so it's so Virgil. Or, all right, so either. Um, Vector has uh, has moles within Utic, or or Utic has moles within Vector, or both. <laughs> I think the answer agent. is probably both. I I, I I I mean I don't trust. It's all that very incestuous. I, 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 I don't <laughs> trust any of these organizations as a monolith. Uh, monolith, monolith. <laughs> but the uh. but but, uh, but yeah, I'm not I'm not surprised if there are multiple anime betrayals in our future in this in this series. And and Proto Merkaba, I mean, I mean, it's 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 a super weapon that was invented by Mizrahi. That, uh, but um, Albedo needed the memory banks within Momo and had and and sort of very unsettlingly accessed her accessed her mind to to get them. And, yeah, and, uh, I'm not and, a big fan of that scene. I'm not a big would, fan of the no, sound that was also that was also censored for the U.S. version. But oh, good. yeah. But but in like the anime and the DS game follow the American censorship after this, so uh, American censorship is better in this situation as well. That's a uh, not a YouTube safari. I'm going to be investigating. Yeah, I think I I think I'm going to end up on a government watch list if I look this up. But I I think we can agree that um oh and and, and the, I mean Proto Merkaba sort of serves as the game's final dungeon. Uh, there's a the final boss encounter is the giant powerful um uh, reactor that that powers Proto Merkaba combines with a uh, with a large gnosis um and 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 uh, and upon that its defeat uh like they're going to destroy Proto Merkaba but uh but they have someone needs to stay behind to make sure that it uh. That uh, the that it, it self destructs properly. Um, uh, Cosmos ends up volunteering because she believes that based on her programming, 
and her analysis of multiple outcomes that uh, that that is the way for the, everyone to survive most uh, most easily. It's and, and I mentioned this earlier in this episode. It's unclear to me if Cosmos really was doing this out of pure pragmatism or was she expressing selflessness and empathy that she had only hinted at earlier in the game like, like i think go- that's a question we're supposed to have yeah 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 mm-hmm. cosmos's journey to discover her humanity i i again i don't know xenosaga two or three feels like a a major through line of the xenosaga series like i would be i mean tyler am i at least a little bit right in assuming that yeah right? i mean yeah she's definitely a big part of the series overall and yeah you you'll you'll learn more in the future Unfortunately, that's the answer for everything in this game. I was about to say the same thing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but it, it was, it's another series of long cutscenes. Again, uh, you might have just, you know, replaced Devril Zermacht with long cutscenes as this game's subtitle. Xenosaga Episode 1, some long cutscenes. I was just happy that the final... The, I'm, like, again, didn't make it there myself, but I do know that the final boss has a different battle theme. It so, does. Oh, that's, God for, that's actually God for one that. of the it's reasons I didn't cheese that boss. Because like I went into it, I, I went and I and we haven't talked about this at all. But like one of the things you do throughout the game is you go and gather these segment addresses and you have to go back into like your memory banks of those places sometimes to go open these doors. And there's a very specific thing you can do, which is get some summons for um, uh, Xion. And the last one is basically just like a super summon that does 9,999 damage, which is a lot of damage in this game, enough to one shot the final boss. And I got it because at the time I was like, oh, man, these battles are taking too long. This is frustrating me. And then once I got the hang of it, I was fine. But I still planned to kind of cheese the last dungeon. But then I was like, yeah, I don't really need to. But I still was going to do the last boss. And then I there was like, oh, new music. Never mind. I will fight this fight for real. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So, uh, yeah, I think the last uh, the the thing that's frustrating about the music in this game is the times that we don't get like the same two like battle theme and run away from things themes like you get some real mitsuda like there and then like some of the final um you know the, the final cutscene has some new music as well yeah like in, this in, is in phenomenal the cut, in the final cutscene going into the credits i think there's two vocal themes uh, yes. back to back kokoro like, and pain and they're just so great. good uh yeah and the in the final boss theme is also just a, a stone cold banger so yeah i uh, the, <laughs> if i have one major criticism of this game it's the misuse of mitsuda um, I mean, come on. You had you had the guy. Use him more. You had the guy with a full orchestra, and it, maybe it was just expensive? I don't know, but it's a sparse soundtrack, and unfortunately, uh, underutilized. But, uh, it, not that the music in the game is bad, it's just the songs that are... I got a little tired of the battle theme, let me say that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah I, I, mean, I mean, this goes into, I guess, complaints that both Peter and I had throughout this episode. This game has so many cool concepts and ideas, and it's abundantly clear that they couldn't fit as much as they wanted to in this game. And as a result, it feels like it has weird pacing and sort of too much in some areas and not enough in other areas. So like, like I, this is a unique, I don't, I'm not sure this game would get made nowadays because yeah. like, like, like it, it, it takes so many risks that, uh, and, and, you know, it, to have cutscenes like these um, at modern visual standards would, would cost millions and millions of dollars. Uh, like like this game would not get made nowadays, so it's admirable for everything that it attempts. But again, I, I don't think it quite sticks the landing on 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 some on some of those things it attempts. And it took maybe three games to have a game to because I mean by all accounts, um, the third episode three of Xenosaga, uh, does have 
you know, conclusions to some of the story arcs and is probably the best playing of the trilogy. So uh, is, is that is that uh, fairly accurate, yeah. Tyler? Yes, yeah, I, okay, I right. would say so. Yeah. So so like it took them three games to maybe accomplish most of what what they wanted to accomplish. But uh, it, it, it the, the, the you get you get sort of two messy ones along the way. And I'm not sure I'm going to come back to this game. Which, which leads me to one final question that we hinted at before. I, I'm sure this has been asked a thousand times. Would this game be better as an anime? I, I feel like this game would make an amazing, like, serial HBO drama. If this was like a 16 episode live action drama on Netflix or Max that was like a Westworld, I, I think this it could be really awesome because it, it, it like, like an hour long an hour long drama would be able to put up these flashbacks and intrigue and mm. and pay off them at a at a pace that is not that that uh isn't shackled by being a jrpg that feels like it needs to have jrpg dungeon you know it's interesting because like you and peter in particular as you guys are talking about this and i'm not saying that you are wrong about this but i think that for me like as you're playing the game especially in like those last 3 or 4 hours of cutscenes like where you're getting all this information dumped. Like if you watch it as like just a cutscene, um, like there's not any downtime. Um, and so like as you're going through these dungeons, they're long and you know whatever. I, I feel like I'm processing the information. So I don't think that I felt as much as I was playing the game as you guys do. Like I was just getting like this massive amount of information just dumped on me. Like sure, I felt like that a little bit, of course. But I also thought that like that little bit of downtime would work there. Now that isn't to say that you couldn't build it differently in an HBO drama where you have some of those more quiet moments like that Trenkov moment or whatever where it's working. Um, but you know, I I'm not sure. <laughs> Honestly, I know what the anime exists and it's not very good, which obviously doesn't necessarily mean that it wouldn't work as an HBO drama. But you know, I I really appreciate that this game uh, is trying to do something and it might not totally pull it off, but I'm so tired of JRPGs and RPGs in general that insult my intelligence by just being like simple and stupid and shouting everything at me constantly that I can deal with something that has some ambition to do something serious that doesn't pull it off more than I can deal with something that ha doesn't have ambition and that wastes my time. So I, I guess for me, like it, I, 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 I like that it breaks things up in the way that it does. And it's not perfect, but I think it works. I would enjoy the cutscenes more if I, if I played the, if I experienced them over the course of a long game, instead of watching them over a period of three days, that, that is definitely true. But I, I, I also just was, I, I found the, the first long dungeon that I hit in this game to be, uh, to be a bit of a slog and, and, but, and they're not giving you a slow drip of information in the dungeons, right? They're, they're mostly, the dungeons are fairly empty. Uh, I mean, I, I think it's true to some degree. I think um, depends on the dungeon. In particular, they yeah, really yeah. The, the the encephalon actually does spread out the cutscenes yeah. pretty well. Um, but I, I was I was thinking more of the uh, the cathedral ship, but the mm. like, I I I don't know. I I think that this, I think that this is a bunch of awesome story ideas that doesn't deliver enough on the RPG portion of the RPG. So, so that that was what made me think the thought that probably has been said a thousand times. Yeah, no, I think like, it's like, did, would this have been better in a medium other than a game? Like, and I'm not surprised that it had an anime series and drama CDs. I probably wouldn't mind listening to a drama CD of this. <laughs> oh, you know what? This shouldn't be an HBO drama. This should be a narrative podcast. 
But um, I, it's not hard to see why this game didn't take off uh, the way that they wanted to, because uh, it's it's just, it, it's not even I, I I can get behind the story having grand ambitions, and I and I do legitimately find it interesting. But just as a game, it's just it's not fun. It's slow. It's turgid. It does a very poor job of explaining itself. There's it, it simply it, it does not make a good first impression and i don't think it would have done a good job of drawing in audiences to be like yeah you want more of this unless you were already on board with it to begin with like you're not going to get mass market appeal with a game like xenosaga episode one and regrettably it sounded like bandai namco was definitely hoping for a lot more out of this than uh it got yeah, no, I, 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 really, I know it was just Namco at the time, but still, sorry. I, I I really respect this game's ambition, and this is a this is a good story, and I'm glad that it, that it, it paid off into a good third game. But I, I and I also feel bad. If, I think if I had played it through, I would like it more. But because I just had a difficult, uh, busy December, I I wasn't able to play it through, so I did not experience Xenosaga in the in an ideal way. And uh, but like I I can tell why so many people love this game, but it, it just the the uh, the timing and the situation was not good for me. So uh, so I, I don't know if I'm gonna finish this. Probably not. I'm I'm much more interested in playing playing Xenoblade Two than I am Xenosaga Two, because I I do have a, a copy of uh, Xenoblade Two ready to roll. That is a really good game. But um I'm I am more likely to fire up Xenoblade Two than I am to finish Xenosaga One, which is unfortunate. But uh. I mean, at least Cosmos is cool. I mean, and I'm pretty sure that I can I can use her or find her in Xenoblade too. So maybe, good luck. So that'll uh, well, you, you thank you, but I have surprising <laughs> RPG luck sometimes. Uh, Not other... as good as Izzy, who pulled Cosmos as their second rare blade. Oh my oh, god, that's pretty good. That's pretty good. <laughs> that's unbelievable. It really is. <laughs> Jealous. I uh, I I did win a uh um a bahamut card playing triple tried in final fantasy 14 which is something like a 0.3 percent drop from that's a, from, impressive from from a that is impressive from a difficult card battle yeah i mean i think i'm the only person that got the bahamut card from that and not the actual bahamut boss fight <laughs> but uh all right if we're talking about um my surprising rpg luck and narrative podcasts oh you know, you know they could just have a season two of s town and have it called shion town instead um maybe we're near the end of the episode uh but, but thank you so much uh uh peter zach and tyler for uh um going through this journey that i only half completed and and, and tyler i know that uh xeno saga is a particular favorite of yours so um so thank you for uh dealing with my dumbass for uh for two or so hours no you're totally fine it was a nice fun discussion uh and well at, at least half of the panel um like played through Xenosaga and and enjoyed their time with it um now going coming into 2023 we have the first couple games of the year planned and the first of which being Ogre Battle 64 Person of Lordly Caliber I'm slightly dreading firing up my Wii to play that thing because I'm not I don't know if an N64 RTS RPG is, is something that I'll I'll, uh, I'll be able to experience smoothly, but we'll see. I'm going to give that game an earnest attempt very, very soon, and we'll discuss that over two episodes in January. We're also doing an episode on, on Pokemon and an episode on RPG fashion 
sometime throughout the month. We have not recorded those yet. We're starting to uh, get our 2023 plans in motion. Uh, but before that, um, next week, we're having our annual year in review episode. Uh, it's going to be a good time. 2022 was dense with video games. So I don't know how long that episode is going to be or what games we'll discuss, but there are so many that we will definitely not run out of things to talk about uh, in our year in review episode next week. We, we've done a year in review episode of retro every year since 2015 so this will be number eight which is mind-blowing to me that uh that uh we've been on the air for seven and a half years but uh listeners uh whether you're here for ogre battle or xenosaga or pokemon or something else the best way to get in contact with us and learn more about the podcast is to email retro at rpgfan.com or listen to our archive of 356 prior episodes uh you can all find rpg fan on facebook on Twitter as RPGFancom, on Instagram as RPGFancom, or RPGFanDiscord, YouTube, Twitch, something going on in all of those places every day. Uh, RPGFan also has a uh, a shop that was um, implemented earlier this year, RPGFan.com slash shop, where you can buy RPGFan merch of many different flavors. Uh, that's the best way to support us with your dollars. Uh, and, and you can also support us by listening to our other podcasts. There's Random Encounter every two weeks about randomness, Rhythm Encounter every other two weeks about RPG music. Uh, please listen to uh, all three of our podcasts and review them on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Amazon, however you listen to podcasts. But uh, uh, guys, thank you. Thank you, all three of you, for uh, uh, putting up with me for, oh boy, all, all, all these years of podcasts, most recently talking about Xenosaga. Yeah, that was a good time. Great. Thanks for having Let's us. Do it. Good way to end it this year. <laughs> yeah, this is the last game journal of 2022. But uh, before we sign off, we got to share our social media while Twitter still exists. Um, <laughs> uh, so starting with you, Zach. Uh, the best way to reach me is via email, ZachW at RPGFan.com. You can also find me on RPG Fans Discord at ZachW. Now, Peter. Uh, you can find me at I Have Fury on Twitter. At the moment, my account is private just because of uh elon musk related shenanigans that i don't want to be exposed to but you know you can still try to follow me and might i might let you if you're nice <laughs> oh, does that, I'm, I'm not nice at all does that mean i have to i have to unfollow you or you're am i, I mean, i'm getting kicked out have i, I, mean, already, I, mean, been, have I, have I already been kicked out you're like one of the six people who like regularly engages with my stuff please stay <laughs> <laughs> all right oh. now, now now tyler how people how can people find you online uh they can find me at cosmos chaos on twitter and if you want to hear me talk about more zeno shenanigans uh zeno chat podcast uh is uh our twitter for my uh zeno related uh podcast series and probably uh probably also searching for xeno chat spelled with an x of course uh on on your regular podcast services would be able to find that uh that show correct exactly thank you right on all right well listeners if you want to find me on twitter i mostly tweet about video games and how bad uh dc and baltimore sports teams are doing uh i am at the real monsoon most of the time at evoca for dogs at other times and on rpg fans discord i am monsoon mike so oh boy um we're recording this a couple days before the the big holiday in December, so I have some gifts to wrap, uh, and, which you know hopefully wraps cleaner than how this storyline wrapped. Thank you. <laughs> good night. <laughs> and good luck. Dang. Good night, Cosmos.